Hello and welcome once again to Must See Matches. I am uh, Kieran Fort, and I'm joined as always by the man behind Must See Matches, Mark Buckley. Mark, how's it going? I'm good, thanks. I've had my uh, little mini rant off camera and we don't need to uh, have that on the podcast. So all positive vibes. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, that were in effect this weekend as we actually saw each other in person and recorded an episode of DD Teach. Yeah. Yeah. And forgot to take a photo at and any forgot- point during. Yes. Uh, at no point did we appear in the same photograph of that weekend. <laughs> But no, it was uh, it was just nice to hang out. Bear in mind, we had literally met in person once before this yeah, weekend. Yeah, we had. Uh, you availed yourself of the the comfort of an inflatable mattress on my living room floor with another man snoring in the room at the same time. <laughs> and uh, we went. And we had some fine food, and we saw some wrestling, and it was a good weekend. Yeah, had a ridiculously bacon filled bacon sandwich. Oh yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. There's a so it turns out I'm not going to name it because people are going to flood there for the bacon. But there's a, a cafe not far from me uh, that I'd never been to before, and I decided, hey, let's all go there on Sunday morning for breakfast. And uh, two of our party ordered bacon items, and they both came ridiculously stacked with bacon. It's not a stretch to say that both items could have half of their bacon removed and still have quite a lot of bacon, and the cafe could still charge the same price. Yeah. Madness. So um, I'm going to go there for all my uh, all my crispy bacon needs from now on. Uh, is it Canadian bacon? He says, trying to make a segue to a show in Toronto. <laughs> uh, it almost certainly won't be, but no, we'll make that not. segue anyway. <laughs> uh, today we are going to talk about uh, the combination of DIY, who are uh, Tomasa Chumper and Johnny Gargano, against The Revival, who uh, you may now know as FTR. Uh, Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder, who are Dax Harwood and Cash Thingy, Cash Wheeler. Cash Wheeler. These days. Yeah. yeah. The, all these names got used interchangeably in my notes. I'll say that up front now. Um, the match is two out of three falls. It's from NXT TakeOver Toronto, November the 19th, 2016. And fuck NXT for making anybody go to Canada in, Canada in November. <laughs> I've been to Toronto in the winter. It is cold. I mean, they said it was like 12,000 in attendance for this show. I'd imagine a lot of them were Canadians. Oh, yeah. So. yeah. Oh, I meant the wrestlers. Oh, we're going to do a big show in Canada. Okay. Yay. Yeah. When is it? In the dead of winter. So this is our first of two uh, matches from Toronto that we're going to be covering on the podcast. Just the city? Or is there another one on this show specifically? Just the city. Okay. We don't cover another one on this show. Oh, I know what the second one is. Okay, I've just thought about what it is. That's interesting because Toronto is historically a big wrestling city. Yeah, no, only two that will be covered on the podcast series. Interesting. From Toronto. And uh, apologies, this is me not trusting my notes. uh, (laughs) So just wanting to be as accurate as possible. Uh, So please bear with me a second. And yeah, so it's only two uh, matches from Canada on this podcast series. Wait, only two from Toronto or only two from Canada? Both. Wow. Two from Toronto and two from Canada. Wow, that's amazing. And when you consider what one of them is. I would have thought that Canada would get a bit more of a, a, bit more of a look in. So uh, normally I would try and watch the month of TV leading up to this, but unfortunately uh, with everything going on i was unable to um there is a a a well put together video package because this is a wwe product 
um, to build up the match. Uh, the second half of which is to a song called Hated by Beartooth, which has been on my playlist for a very long time. They reference a previous match between these two teams uh, in Brooklyn, which I remember as being fantastic. Um, and I had also totally forgotten that this was two out of three falls. You say that this is a rematch from Brooklyn. Mm. The main event of this show is also a rematch from Brooklyn. Oh, okay. And the main event was Samoa Joe versus Shinsuke Nakamura. This is from like the the peak golden era of NXT, really, isn't it? Yeah, it it really is. This is, in fact, you could probably say this is the the transition period where uh, a lot of the you know big indie names would be there then go most of the bigger indie names have gone and it's the likes of johnny gargano and the revival and those kind of guys sort of taking more time i mean you look at the look at the rest of the card for nxt toronto mm. bobby rude versus ty dillinger authors of pain versus tm61 formerly known as tmdk and Asuka versus Mickey James. So really, other than this and Joe Nakamura, it's kind of suggesting that a lot, you know, your likes of your Nevilles and your Sami Zayn yeah. and your Kevin Owens, those kind of guys have been and kind of on the way out. I kind of, my brain always sort of picks the arrival of the authors of pain as the, as kind of like the tipping point because they were, hmm. they were guys who were, well, I think one of the I didn't Sonny Dinza have some some previous experience, but like they were almost pure um, performance center products rather than having mm. had any sort of indie run beforehand. Whereas everybody else was either a reasonable size name or had been plucked from the indies. So you know, like Dawson and Wilder in this, like they didn't have any name beforehand, but they'd had a few years on the independence before coming to NXT. Yeah. Uh, I did enjoy seeing current Dragon Gate wrestler slash commentator Ho Ho Lun getting a knee in the head in the video package as well. <laughs> <laughs> that made me giggle. Um, this show is sponsored by WWE Crash Cage. Do you know what that is? I assume it was some kind of video game or mo mobile game tie-in? No, no. It was a toy. It was a shark cage toy. Uh, for you to put a manager in and hang them above your toy ring. And they had to do a shark cage match to promote it on one of the shows. I think they put Paul Ellering in it. I mean, he was probably the only manager other than Heyman you've got. And I'm sorry, if if you're Paul Heyman, <laughs> you're not choosing to go in a bloody shark cage. No, I would imagine not. Uh, we're a bit light on, on build-up to this match, I'm afraid, simply because all we have is a five-minute video package to go on. Uh, but half the point of this show is seeing if a match stands up in context, I think. Um, uh, the other thing I'd totally forgotten about was Dawson slash Dax's mutton chops, which aren't a thing these days. <laughs> no hair, but big, proper, like, Triple H slash yeah. Lemmy mutton chops. It's uh, incredible. He looks like a young man who is trying to look older. Like, he has quite a young yeah. face, but he's completely bald and he's got stupid facial hair. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he would have been 32 at this point, which, uh, I don't know. Well, he doesn't look like a 32-year-old man. He, yeah, he looks, he looks at, at the same time both older and younger than 32. Everyone in this match, except Johnny Gargano, this is the only match that we'll be covering for them. Oh, I, I was going to get to that. I did wonder if, if uh, any of them reappeared at any point. 
Champa was only nominated in matches that Johnny Gargano was in, which is quite funny. Um, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, whether it's tags or singles against Gargano. FTR, they had a couple of matches uh, nominated, but this is the only one on the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gargano had seven matches nominated, and there is another one coming on the podcast series for Johnny Gargano. Interesting. And as you said, it doesn't involve Champa. It means we don't have to watch their melodrama series, which is great. I watched one of those for um, a Last Man Standing project I did at least a year ago. And Mm -hmm. yeah, melodrama is the right way to describe it. (laughs) So the match itself. Um, Dawson and Gargano start out with wrestling reversals and some nice cradles and clutch pins. Uh, Gargano gets a running tag in the middle of a rope running spot, bringing in Champa for what I called red-hot, bald-on-bald action. Uh, Dax puts his nails in Champa's eye. See, I told you, the names uh, uh, are interchangeable. Uh, so Scott Dawson became Dax Harwood and uh, uh, the other Dash one. Wilder Dash Wilder became, became Cash, Wheeler. Cash Wheeler. Yes, yes, bald and hair. Um, I'm interrupting myself again. Um, I did note... There is no which, which one's Dax, which one's Dawson chant in this match, which was a big feature uh, early on in their careers. Like they are fully established now and people know who is who. Hmm. Same as there was no one chanting which one's Mark, which one's Kieran when we were at Royal Quest at the weekend. And funnily enough, you can tell us apart the same way you can tell the revival apart. <laughs> it's by the hair. Yeah. Um. So, anyway, uh, Dawson puts his nails in Chumper's eyes while the ref is tied up with Dash, and the champs start with the quick tags, the double teams, and slightly underhanded tactics to keep Chumper in their corner. He breaks free, though, and we get Gargano picking up the pace again, taking them both on. However, he charges Dawson in the heel corner and gets tipped out to the apron. Wilder makes a blind tag, and in a beautiful piece of business, Gargano tries his slingshot spear through the ropes. Dawson catches him for the briefest second and then hurls him backwards into the waiting Wilder and their shatter machine finisher, now called the Big Rig, for the first fall in just five minutes and eight seconds. That is such a good, such a good first fall. It's amazing. Like That spot caught me totally by surprise um, and I loved it. Like It should have been the finish to another one fall match between those teams. Mm. It, it just felt like such a... Um... An old school type one as well. It's the heels have literally just outfought the Gargano just a little bit. They know what's coming. They've mm. planned for it. And a couple of things I want to throw back on in in this first fall section. It's mm. you've got the you can already see the influences of the likes of Midnight Express on Dawson and Wild, uh, Wilder. Mm-hmm. You can. Uh, they do some bits like the communicating, DIY are much quicker, showier teams. So you've got that dynamic as well. But just there's lots of little details from Dawson and from Wilder here. But also Gargano is over like crazy. Oh, yeah. He's so over even at this stage. And this is before his uh, singles run. Mm. So the legal men from the first fall, Wilder and Gargano, start the second. And Gargano just gets run over. Uh, so I said the revival were a little underhanded in the first fall. In the second, they're proper heels and a proper mm. tag team. They keep Johnny on their side of the ring. They rough him up. They take advantage of the referee. They turn into a covers band playing all your favorite tag team hits, and they do non-legal heel pulls the waiting baby face off the apron straight into referee denies a baby face tag they didn't mm. see. 
Um, Gargano finally turns a back superplex into a crossbody and makes the tag. Uh, Champa bounces Dawson all over the place with a top rope dropkick, knees, elbows, and Kenny Omega's Kataro Crusher. Slightly disappointed he didn't also try the no-haired angel. Uh, three German suplexes and a running knee to the face and him a two count and a this is awesome chant. Uh, Revival threaten a spike pile driver in the WWE, I think not. <laughs> uh, but Chumper breaks out with a top rope crossbody and then DIY clobber Dawson with their super kick slash running knee combo to even the score at about the 15 minute mark. You can tell by the scarcity of my notes that I was mostly just watching this, even on my second go through, which is specifically there for me to take notes. This is a very good match. The pace and the falls are really good, but despite having a very quick pace, as Kira mentioned, it's like they're getting in all of the the heel work. Mm. It's a great, you know, great heel tag team performance. There's one little moment from Dawson where Dawson's out of position. Gargano looks like he's almost got a clear mm. run, and Dawson literally just scoots round and moves himself just so that he's between Gargano and Champa. He's nowhere near Gargano, but it's just that little bit of, I'm just going to make it so that you can't get to him. Yeah. And it's just such a great little veteran move that, it, you know, why are they not doing this more? Because it's just a fantastic little spot. Well, they did. So, like, I mean, they called the revival for a reason. They were mm. bringing back 80s and 90s tag stuff that hadn't been seen for ages. Like, people weren't doing the pull the illegal man off the apron to prevent a hot tag stuff until they turned up in NXT. Um, uh, like Dawson's movement there, I think that it could be most accurately dis described as a scuttle. Um, yeah. And I also like Gargano's reaction to it, which wasn't to try and jump over him and make the tag. It was like, ah, shit, he got me. And he takes a, mm. he gets back to his feet, takes a step back and kind of spins around to collect his thoughts. Uh, and then they, they then they carry on. So, also the one thing that I really like is when mm -hmm. Champa does that cross body, which is basically so they've gone for the spike pile driver, and Gargano is essentially bent over as if to go for a pile driver. And at that point, Gargano jumps over, so he essentially Chumper. jumps over. Yes, Champa jumps over his uh, his own partner and and uh, yeah takes out. Uh, I think he takes out Dawson, who's holding for the for the pile driver. Yeah, and it's just a really nice clever way of doing it. It, hmm. it just works really well. But again, it's something you would see in the NWA of the 80s. Yep. Also, one little one little nitpick that I'm getting to is, mm -hmm. so we're about to start the third fall. So mm -hmm. the, the start of the second fall, Gargano was struggling, he'd been pinned, and the referee starts the match before Gargano's ready. So it's Gargano, who was the legal man, versus... Um, I think it was Wilder who was the legal yeah. man. Yeah. For the third fall, for some reason, the referee lets Dawson tag in Wilder during the break and Wilder is in the ring, despite not being the legal man during the third. Now, the previous I, I was going to pick on this as well. However, you can't fully, I, I don't think I can fully pick on it because they don't ring the bell between falls, so you don't know exactly when it's starting. And a yep. lot of the break between fall two and fall three is covered by a full screen replay. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. So you can't see the referee signaling to the timekeeper or the wrestlers, and you don't actually see the tag. Mm. Um, but no, I made a note about this as well. Um, I did like, I mean, I guess that uh, um, 
DIY would have had the option to tag, but um, instead they strategize and they opt to leave Champa in the ring with Gargano kind of, he's slumped sitting against the turnbuckles on the apron yeah. in the corner because like he has been, he has taken a majority of the punishment in his match. Mm. Um, so Dash uh, comes out on the losing end of a yay boo strike battle uh, and almost immediately, like we're a minute into fall number three and Dawson gets a sneaky tag back in anyway mm. from the floor. Uh, Chumper avoids the head fake DDT and goes for his bridging armbar. Dawson escapes. Gargano takes back in and takes him down with a slingshot DDT that most of the crowd seemed to think was going to be the finish. It looked lovely. That got a huge pop. Yeah. Oh, it did. Yeah. Uh, Wilder prevents an O'Connor roll by grabbing Dawson's hands as he hits the ropes and comes in to help hit a flying uppercut into a German suplex, forcing Chumper to make the save. That was a really good double team. There are loads of good double teams and near falls in the third fall. Um, uh, Dawson puts Chump into the post, leaving a battered Gargano with nobody to tag as they trap him in their corner. He throws fists all over the place and kicks Wilder. He, he kicks off Wilder to flip out of a backslide straight into a small package for another lovely near fall, but mm. again, the crowd completely bite on. Wilder grabs a tag belt and drops it in the heel corner. Uh, Chumper gets shot of him and himself with a cactus clothesline, uh, leaving Dawson to block a Gargano kick with the belt behind the ref's back. He also somehow manages to take part of the belt in his own forehead and a trickle of blood starts. So in real time, in our, in Mark and my timeline, this is the second time in a week we've seen this man bleed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Third, he actually, because ble- it got busted open again on the Sunday, didn't it? Oh, yeah. No, it very much did. Mm. Um and he bled from, what, multiple places the first, the first oh, yeah. time we saw him bleed this weekend. <laughs> yes. I've seen people get their chests split open with chops before. I've not seen them have to come out and wrestle the next day with a big plaster over the cut. Yeah. Uh, so this is Gargano's kind of like storied injured knee and uh, Dawson clamps on the same inverted figure four that got the revival of the win at the Brooklyn match. Uh, the crowd goes wild cheering Gargano to get to mm. the ropes, which he does. Um, you talked about revival communication and they do it here. They have a chat about what to do next, which is, as I mentioned, is something I love about midnight express and tag teams of that era that they, they would strategize and, and talk over what they were going to mm. do next. Like wrestlers should be directing each other going for double teams. It shouldn't be a psychic connection all the time. Yeah, so they, they have a little chat, and it turns out the, the answer to the question they ask themselves is, let's do our opponent's finisher. Um, they're not very good at it, though, and Dash just ends up kicking Dawson in the head, leading to <laughs> Chumper coming back in, and the babyface is hitting Wilder with the shatter machine, which, again, crowd explodes for. Yeah. Um, Gargano, however, has to use his bad leg to do it uh, and struggles to cover Dash, and Dawson pretty much splashes the poor guy to break it up. <laughs> he's it's like it's full body on body it's not a shove off he doesn't just knock into him he flattens him and it's one of those great breakups where the guy literally comes in from out of camera out of nowhere yeah uh the again crowd absolutely losing their minds um revival do an illegal switch and dawson rolls up a confused gargano with a handful of tights the referee realises after two, though, that Wilder has somehow lost all his hair uh, and orders, <laughs> da- <laughs> orders Dawson out the ring. At least when Arn Anderson would pretend to be Tully Blanchard, he would cover the ball spot with his hand. <laughs> While this is going on, FTR hair runs uh, Champa into the post outside and Gargano super kicks Dawson out the ring. 
Wilder then sprints back in and absolutely wipes out Gargano with perhaps the greatest, most violent chop block I've ever seen. It is utterly incredible. It, it, and it's to it's to the good leg. Uh, mm. So he so Gargano now has two bad legs, and I'm amazed he didn't tear every ligament in his knee taking taking this. Like it is. It's the dirty tackle in football. It's Vinnie Jones, but with a shoulder instead of a leg. It It is very much if Stan Hansen decided, I'm going to lariat someone, but I'm going to do it in the leg. It is full on. It's a proper yeah. lariat to the ligaments. Yeah. And uh, Gargano doesn't kind of like, I mean, obviously he knows he's coming, but he mm. plays it like he doesn't. So he's not ready to kind of like sweep that leg out and go up in the air with it. Like he takes that shoulder to the back of the knee with his foot still planted. Of all the things in this match, that was one of the things that brought me out of my seat. It's fantastic visual. So Wilder's looking a bit smug and he goes for a figure four, but Gargano rolls that into a series of back and forth pinning predicaments and eventually his Gargano escape submission hold. Dawson runs back in to break it up, but Trumper cuts him off and puts him in the bridging armbar. Uh, Revival fight for a bit, holding onto each other's free hand to try and prevent a tap. They can't hold out forever, and both submit, giving DIY the win. Afterwards, they they make it seem like a big deal. Like there's lots of replays that, of the key spots in the match, and you're given like a good five minutes for it to mm. soak in. Like the new champions go and celebrate with the crowd. Um, yeah, they make it feel like a really big deal. I like this. Like, I, th- I think it's a very good match. It's a four and a half star in the Observer. Um, I don't think it's great. My memory is the Brooklyn match is better, but uh, I haven't rewatched that recently. Um, I had a little look, and I mm. think the, I think both these matches, both the Brooklyn and the Toronto match, got the same rating from Meltzer. Mm-hmm. But I think the cage match has this one about point four higher than the Brooklyn one. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I I remember seeing the Brooklyn one because I definitely remember seeing the, oh, he's hit the chop block and they've lost. I remember that. I Mm. don't remember much of this one Mm. because I wasn't a regular NXT viewer at the time. Oh, I was. This was the period where I was watching it every week. This was like, as we talked about with the the Sami Zayn and uh, Pac match, neville match um Mm. uh this was at the point where like nxt was appointment viewing like it was it was my wrestling show of the week um yeah yeah what do you reckon what um i'll definitely say so this um so we've said before um there's only four u.s tag team matches that are represented in the list Mm -hmm. in the podcast Mm. series um and it's essentially one from each decade. So there's one from the 90s, one from the 2000s, one from the 2010s, and one from the 2020s. Yes, somehow we got one in in the decade that we're only two years into. So one from each of the four decades. So the 90s one, which was Midnight's Express versus the Wild-Eyed Southern Boys. Um, yes. I always forget that that's 1990 and not from the 80s because it's like it's a quintessential 80s tag team match. And it's great to compare that to this because... This is taking a uh, modern pacing of uh, wrestling from 2016, I say modern, mm. uh, and it's basically, it's the Dawson and Wilder putting that mindset, that Midnight Expressisms and all that uh, back into tag team wrestling. Because to be honest, tag team wrestling of the 2010s was probably not 
great. I mean, you had some good tag teams. You had some good tag team matches, but they were more the action tag team match rather than psychologically strong. Yeah, it was something that was better handled outside of the mainstream like WWE, I think. Mm. And you're right. It was it was uh, for a lot of for most part, I think uh, you're right. It was action over psychology. Yeah, because uh, you think of the good tag team matches kind of of the 2010s, you're probably looking at open the Twin Gate matches from yeah. Dragon Gate. You're yeah. looking at um, maybe some uh, Ring of Honor stuff. You're looking at the likes of Motor City Machine Guns when they yeah. wrestle at times. So it's kind of, it's a lot quicker. This felt like it was bringing it back. Mm. And then, uh, and it's fascinating, you look at the, uh, the the 2020s tag match, which we won't be looking at for quite a while, uh, that is something different as well. So it's, mm. I really like this a lot. I thought it was great. I like watching uh, the mix of the pacing of 2010s and those psychological spots. It's like, you, as you said, we saw the revival uh, this weekend. Mm -hmm. And I was incredibly impressed just sitting there and watching them live for the first time and watching them go through uh, the, especially in the early parts of the match, you could mm. see they love this stuff. This is, this is what they love and they're basically doing it and they're delivering it. Sometimes in, at the moment, occasionally it can feel a little bit um, cosplay wrestling almost. A little bit, and I kind of want to jump on that a bit. I, I have a note which I called the fucking Brett stuff. They're in pink and black. Wilder does the chest bump in the corner. Dawson yeah. does Brett's hands out pose on the apron. They do the heart attack. Yeah. Uh, and, like, it's the, it's all the same stuff they rail against on Twitter without having the self-awareness to realise, like, this is what you do yourselves. It's, the, it's a trap because you're trying to take stuff that's been forgotten and trying to bring yeah. it through. But the problem is there's a way you can do it where it feels organic. There's a way you can do it where it feels like it's part of your character and your thing, but it's it's yours. And then yes. there's a way of doing it where it feels like, as I say, cosplay wrestling, where it feels like we're we're copying other people and... I didn't think it suffered as much of that in this match, but as you said, with all of the, the heart elements, some of which mm. I didn't catch, yeah. I get it, and I 100% do. Th their worst match for it was their singles match against each other where they just redid Brett versus Owen. Mm. And that's not that's not organic wrestling at all. That's not an athletic competition. That's That's a covers band. Anyhow, I have a theory. I suspect that people who nominated this match either have a great fondness for 80s and 90s tag team wrestling or they haven't seen much of it hmm. and this is this was new to them okay so it's either people who love the midnight express and probably voted for midnight express versus southern boys um and are happy to see that style back or it's people who've never seen that before and this is a this is a new a whole new style of uh, tag team wrestling to them i don't know i don't know just my just my thoughts i think you're probably on to something it's that element of uh yes it's as you say new to people maybe hmm. uh it's that sense of nostalgia it's that sense of 
going back and doing something that's been forgotten. Mm. Those, those could very well be. The thing that I just want to point in is, so this match took place November 2016. Mm -hmm. Dawson and Wilder had only been, had only formed a team in June 2014. So they'd only been teaming for two years. Yes. They were the mechanics for a bit, weren't they? Yep. And Champa and Gargano had only been together for just over a year at this point because mm -hmm. their first uh, proper tag match together was at the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic in August yes. 2015. Yes. So if you think about that, it's like they're teams that hadn't been together for a while. Now, of course, especially for... Um, Dawson and Wilder, they were doing a lot of the the NXT house show loops. So they were mm. getting the reps in and that. But mm. as I say, I like this an awful lot. It's a really good match. I'm not sure that I would call it must-see, but what I'll say is, as I say, I haven't I haven't seen anywhere near as much of the Midnight Express as you have. They, mm. I didn't grow up watching that kind of wrestling. So yeah, I definitely see what it felt fresh to me hmm. in this match so this match really scratched my itch and it scratched an itch that i'd got from the last time we watched um a tag match on this podcast series the midnight express match so i i definitely see the appeal of it i also see your perspective that if you compare this to uh the dozen best midnight express matches this is going to be 13 out of 13 yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, so two final things I thought of. I think the revival are better than FTR. Oh, okay. I think they're I think they're better with a filter when they're not allowed to just go and do every single thing they want to, which appears to be how they are turning out. Um, and Scott Dawson puts in an absolute shift in this match. I oh, was yeah. really impressed by him singularly. I mean, everybody does, but he. Um, in particular, like really caught my eye. Like if the pace needs to quicken, it's almost always him and Gargano in doing it. Yeah. And Gargano is a small man, uh, a very fast man. And mm. Dawson was keeping up with him every step of the way. Um, yeah. yeah. I thought he came out of this. He, everybody does, but he in particular came out of this match looking really, really good. The two people that stood out to me, now, Dawson is definitely one of them. Mm. Uh, did an incredible job, as you say, of keeping pace with Gargano. Um, he he basic everything that he needed to do, he did and more so. You could tell that he's kind of got a lot of the ideas mm. uh, and you can see that he was like, there was just elements where I was thinking, oh, that's great. That's great. Mm. That's just really smart and simple. Like, uh, just the in the first fall where using the eye rake uh, and using it at the exact moment that the referee's distracted, mm. elements like that. Um, so as I say, I completely get why he stood out for you. The one, the other one that stood out for me was Gargano. Mm. And I think it says something that Gargano's the other guy, the only guy in this match that we're going to see again. It's mm. like, it kind of showed... Because he got over incredibly organically in NXT. He started off, I mean, him and Champa, they were essentially, they were enhancement talent almost when yeah. they first came in. Uh, they got over 
Gargano got over, he got the chance. I mean, it really helped that he was the face in peril. Uh, but he just grew organically. And there was just something about him. It was, it was this match wouldn't have been good if it didn't have Dawson putting the shift in mm. and if it didn't have Gargano in that face in peril role. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't people that could have done it better, but he did a very good job of it. Yeah, they were the they were the right people on this night. Yeah. So there we go. That's our uh, uh, speedy rush through <laughs> DIY versus Revival. I will also say DIY is a terrible name. Um, I don't know what was wrong with them just being Champer and Gargano. Anyway, uh, plugs. What should we plug? Uh, let's plug us. Uh, you can follow uh, this show at must see matches on twitter you can also go to linktr.ee slash must see matches where you will find all the ways to subscribe to this podcast if you don't already and if you don't why aren't you um what else we have another podcast called dd teach at dd teach pod uh linktr.ee slash dd teach uh and we have finally released our kazazada higuchi profile show which we recorded in my living room at the weekend um that is now up and available so go have a listen to that yep definitely recommend listening to it if you want to know uh random facts about sumo and even more random evangelium references <laughs> i we- liked the uh the the, the uh, run through sumo that was very educational um yeah so that is our profile of the current uh, ddt kod openweight champion um what else oh while we're talking about podcasts i was on a recent episode of gcp with andy ogden talking about the um I want to call it an anomaly. Uh, that is Transatlantic Wrestling Challenge. Um, and he and I have just booked in to record the final episode in that series in a couple of weeks. So go to uh, at GCP Podcast One. I am at Kieran Edits and Mark is at monkey underscore buckles. Fantastic. Next week, we're sticking with NXT and we are rewinding a scant seven months to April the 1st, 2016. We will also have the return of guests as, now I need to read this correctly, uh, wrestler, commentator and noted raconteur Sean Orleans bringing us his nomination of Sami Zayn versus the debuting Shinsuke Nakamura from NXT TakeOver Dallas. So that will be an exciting time, I'm sure. Make sure you're here for that. Anything else to add? No, nothing at all. Excellent. Good. We'll let these people have their evening back or afternoon or morning or whenever they're listening to it. Thank you very much for supporting us and listening to the show and we'll catch you next week. Goodbye. Who knew you'd be hated for being who you are and be a big target for all the insecure. Who knew you'd be hated for being who you are?